ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. Matthew 24, begin reading at verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one, uh, left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Yep. For nation, nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended." and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountain. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But... Pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Father, we love you. We thank you for the reading of your precious word. We love the Jewish people, and we love Israel as a nation. Lord, we pray for the peace of Israel, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem tonight. We also pray, as John prayed, even so come Lord Jesus. We long, we're so homesick. We long to see you. And it is with great unction and great desire and great longing that we say to you, we love you and we want to see your face. And God, we ask tonight that you'd meet with us. Help us not to look at a clock. Help us not to dwell on the things in the world. Help us to look into the Word of God, and may the preacher not be seen as it were, but Jesus would be. In Jesus' name, amen. I love Israel. I love, I love the nation of Israel. I, I love the Jewish people. Six days ago, to realize just how much God is in control. Six days ago, according to Israel 365, uh, an Arab terrorist group opened fire with an automatic weapon on 20, 23 Jews. They were close range. It was automatic fire. And according to this news outlet, there was not one hit. Not one hit. God is still in control. And only God can do that. Today, we look at our, our scripture today, and we see what I've entitled the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, the phrase, the time of Jacob's trouble is found actually in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 6 through 7. And in these verses, Jacob, or we could say the nation of Israel, is portrayed like a man who's about to give birth. And the man is suffering great pains, and he's bowed almost double. We'd say in our vernacular, he's bent over double in agony. And the Bible tells us that there are no days to compare with those that Israel must endure. However, verse 7 also shows us that Israel will be saved out of these days as a nation. Now, by way of introduction, I want to give you two reasons, and I'm not going to be dogmatic about these as far as being the only two reasons, but I know there's two reasons that I can give you that there will be a tribulation period. One is to punish the Gentile nations. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 is very clear that God's wrath is real and it will come with great fury. Yes, God is not pleased with what's going on in our country. Yes, God is not pleased with any political parties. It's yeah. not having to do with that. God is not pleased with yeah. anyone who breaks his law. And so Romans 1.18 is very clear about that. Revelation 19 and verse 15, For thousands of years men have spurned the call of God and yep. desired to be their own God. 
and they have spurned the call of God to repentance and of salvation. Now, during the tribulation period, God will divinely deal with these people. And he will visit wicked humanity with the fruits of their sin, and the fruits of their sin will be divine judgment. Second reason, let me give you, is to purge the people of Israel. Now, the nation of Israel is guilty of rejecting the Messiah. And they're guilty of having a part in his death. And God will use the terrors of the tribulation period to prepare Israel for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth in Revelation 19. Now when Jesus Christ returns to the earth in great power and great glory, and by the way, nothing can stop that. CNN, MSNBC, uh, nothing can stop that. No political party, no country, nothing will stop that. Jesus Christ is in control. He has never not been in control. You'll go through the book of Revelation and you'll start in Revelation chapter 6, actually in Revelation chapter 5, and you'll see that Jesus Christ has that book, which is the title deed to the earth, and he is loosing the seven seals. And you'll see that there's three sets of seven judgments that he will unloose. All of this is detailing that he is totally in control. God has never not been in control. So I would say to you that if Jesus Christ returns tonight, I would be ready. If Jesus Christ returns tonight, I would be ready. If Jesus Christ returns tonight, I would want my family to be ready. Because let me tell you something. The Word of God is fact. It is not propaganda. The Word of God is fact. And we need our hearts stirred about what the lost world is going to face in the tribulation period. We need to realize that the responsibility of reaching a lost world before the tribulation period lies on us, the children of God. Now, let's talk a little bit about Jacob's trouble. Verses 1 through 14 of Matthew 24, we see how the tribulation commences. This passage is a part of the sermon preached by our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the Olivet Discourse. And the message came about as Jesus and his disciples were at the temple. Jesus told his disciples that the, the temple would eventually be destroyed. And this intrigued these men, and they wanted to know more details. Anytime the Lord Jesus gives you anything, you want more of it. Amen. Now, that's detailed in verses 1 through 4. In this message, Jesus tells them some of the events that's going to transpire during the course of the tribulation. Even though these words are spoken to his disciples, they are a message to the nation, specifically to Israel. Even though these words are not uh, addressed directly to us as the church, there's much here for us to chew on. Now, verses 5 and verse 11, we see that the tribulation period is going to be a time of spiritual deception. The Bible says that there will be a rise in the appearance of those claiming to be and have the way of salvation. There's going to be many false Christs. There's going to be prophets, false prophets during the tribulation period. They're going to come out of the woodwork. Of course, none will have the power None will have the fame that will be enjoyed as will the Antichrist and the false prophet, according to Revelation chapter 13. These two reprobates from hell will deceive the world into believing that literally, they are literally gods, and they will demand and they will receive worship. 
The tribulation will be a spiritual time, but it will be marked by great deception. One of the great tools of the Antichrist is to deceive the world, and that will be into ushering in a time of peace. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, that he's going to come riding a white horse, and he's having a bow with no arrow. Daniel calls him a little horn. Now, there's many instances and many reasons that we could denote tonight. Recall with me in Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he's coming riding on a white horse. Who does that sound like? Revelation chapter 19, our Lord comes on a white horse. Now he's called Antichrist, but the word anti, or the prefix anti, also means instead of, as well as against. against. He is against Christ. He is a phony Christ. He's coming and portraying himself that he is instead of. He's riding a white horse. He is coming as a man with uh, prepared for war, as it were, but he has no arrow. So he's coming as a great man of oratory, and he's come as a great communicator. He's going to be everything that this world is going to be looking for. He's going to have all the answers. He's going to have all the economic relief. He's going to have everything in line. I believe, I believe he's going to have a great IQ. I believe that he's going to be everything that the Jews and the world are looking for to be their Messiah, to be their messenger, to be their man of the hour. We've already seen many of his forerunners in our day. Remember David Koresh? Remember Jim Jones? Remember Sun Young Moon? And many others who claim to be the Messiah? False prophets abound. Many of those have claimed. But listen, the crazies will crawl out of the woodwork during the tribulation period. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 through 13, it's going to be a time of social devastation. The tribulation period will be marked by an increase in instability of society. You think what you see now is something? Oh, you just wait. Notice the pictures that's given here. In verses 6 and 7 of this chapter, it will be a time full of disruptions. There's going to be an increase in warfare. There's going to be an increase in hostility among nations. There's going to be false peace instituted by the Antichrist. It will not last. It will be replaced by devastation. It will be replaced by world war. It's made clear in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 4. The rider on the red horse is war. And there will be an increase in anti-Semitism and persecution aimed at the Jewish people. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. All of that refers to this. Now again, many of these things seem to be going on right now in our world. For instance, the world's political scene is becoming increasingly unstable. Small nations ruled by unprincipled men have now nuclear capability. Economic pressures are forcing countries to seek the resources that belong to neighboring countries and nations for their very survival. The world is poised for war. There's a marked increase of hatred toward the Jewish people in today's society. We have members of Congress of the United States of America who tweet and point out and say on the microphone, a hot microphone, death to the nation of Israel. Let me tell you what I'd do to them. They'd be expelled from the Congress of the United States of America. 
This is profoundly clear in the attitudes of Israel's neighbors. The Palestinians and the Arabs would have loved nothing more than the total destruction of the nation of Israel. But I'm here to tell you, based upon the Word of God and based on history, there will always be a nation of Israel. It's also my conviction that they will attempt to do this, and I believe, and you can put this anywhere you want to, Ezekiel 38 and 39, the first part of the tribulation, I believe, is where it fits. And it seems to indicate that the Russians will be greatly involved in the attempt to destroy Israel. But the plan is going to fail, and Israel will use the weapons of this warfare to provide fuel for their people for seven years, Ezekiel chapter 39 and verse 9. However, when the actual tribulation comes to this world, there's going to be astronomical increase in this kind of activity. Now, the things that are transpiring in the world today are only the first rumblings of what is yet to appear. Verse 7, Matthew chapter 24. The Bible says, Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. According to this verse, there's going to be famine. There's going to be famine. Much of this land who, that once were, was used to grow food has now been transformed into places that people work and live. The world faces food shortages as it is already. According to the internet, we might as well call it Dr. Google, one person dies from starvation or one of its related diseases every second of every day. That translates into 86,400 people per day, 2.5 million people per month, 31.1 million people per year. Now, I love this country. I do. I'm an American through and through. I bleed red blood. But listen to me and listen to me well. When we send people to Washington, D.C., or when we send them to Raleigh, or when we send them to the county seat, we need to send them with a Bible and a Constitution of the United States of America. And bless God, they need to go by it. Now, I'm, I'm just tired of the foolishness. I'm tired of the idiocy. Follow the Bible, and then follow the Constitution. Put your stupid agenda beside yourself. And go home. Get you a real job. During the tribulation, these things will grow worse and worse. And I'm telling you, I don't want to stay here for that. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to be here for that. Verse 7, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, this is going to be marked by diseases. Verse 7 refers to pestilence. Now this tells us that the tribulation period will be a time when diseases will run rampant among the human race. Again, this is referred to in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 8. And this awful look into the future tells us that 25% of the world population will die at one point in time. At present, there are over 7.8 billion people in the world with a new one being added every half second. 
Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7 that this will be a time marked by disasters. Jesus said that there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be major disasters, there's going to be natural disasters, and that's going to be during these early years of the tribulation period. Again, in the 20th and 21st century, it saw a dramatic increase of the number of earthquakes. And these quakes have become very, very intense. God knows exactly what He's doing. Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 and 12. The time will be marked by disobedience. Disobedience. These verses seem to indicate that the tribulation will be marked by a total disregard for the sanctity of life, for the property of others, and the right of others. We're seeing that. You cannot raise your children based upon the theory or the lie of evolution and expect them to have a sanctity of life. You've got to teach them that they are created in the image and the likeness of an almighty God. Tell your government you're not raising dogs at your house. You're raising children made and created in the image of almighty God. Bible says in verse 11 and also verse 10, excuse me, betrayal and hatred. These verses seem to indicate that men in this day will have no respect for one another. You see that now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in the tribulation period? Yes, sir. Of course, the population of this world is already trained to disregard life and the rights of their fellow man. According to the American Life League, ALL.org, 2,362 abortions per day in America. 98 abortions per hour. And that's one per every 37 seconds. When we live in a world that allows the murder of 63 million unborn children, that sends a message, we do not value life. And it will not be long before the elderly will be eradicated and exterminated because they do not respect life. You don't respect life because you're not born again. Jesus Christ gives respect. Satan gives lies. Jesus Christ gives light. Satan gives the darkness of the world. When the world accepts a foolish notion that we've evolved from monkeys... And we're monkeys that just shed our tails. And he's like a dog that merely goes to the grave when we die. Verse 12 of Matthew 24. Wickedness and the love of sin. The tribulation will note and will we'll, we'll see an increase of man's attraction and his indulgence in sin. After the local church is removed, after the church is removed, all restraints on society will be removed as well. There's not going to be a praying Christian. There's not going to be a praying mother. There's not going to be a praying church, praying for their government, praying for their children. They're not going to be that because we're going to be home with Him in glory. And the world will continue to slide into hell and following sin with all of its power that it possesses. Quick look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 proves this beyond any doubt, any dispute. We live in a nation where 85%, 85% of the population claim to be a Christian. And how can we be a Christian when 
62% of all Americans do not believe the Bible is the Word of God. How can we be a, a Christian when 75, 75% of Americans do not believe in the existence of a personal devil? devil doesn't mind with that. He doesn't mind that at all. He loves for people not to believe in Him. He loves for people to be deceived. How can we be Christian when the, the pornography revenues in America are $14 billion per year in the United States alone? How can we be Christian when 4 million men every day visit porn sites on the internet? How can we be Christian when 1.5 unborn babies are aborted in this country in the name of convenience? How can we be a Christian nation when the rate of premarital sex in the church is the same as it is in the world? The world looks around and declares with joy that the divorce rate is dropping. The reason why the divorce rate is dropping is because the marriage rate is dropping. That's right. And it's because people aren't getting married. Yep. It's because people are shacking up. Right. That's right. That's right. How can we be Christian when 32% of professed Christians and 64% of non-Christians say that they consume alcohol every month? Our, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. Our nation, oh, it's so sad, our nation, that our generations of people, our parents, our grandparents, our veterans, have fought for this land. It hurts. It hurts to see it. But I am so comforted that God is still God. At a recent meeting, there was a young pastor that came up to me and he was going and taking pictures with all the big shots. Lieutenant Governor was there. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court was there. Of the North Carolina Supreme Court was there. Several other big wigs. This young preacher came up and he had a shirt, a t-shirt on. He had earrings in his ear. Looked like if he'd gone through an electromagnet, I would never seen him again. On his shirt says, I'm a rapper for Jesus. On the back it said, Jesus freak. He come up to me and I, had, I looked at his shirt and he said, Oh, on the back it says, I'm a Jesus freak. I said, Oh, I'm sorry, I mistook you for a freak that needed Jesus. <laughs> See, we've got a form of godliness, but we deny that power. And this means that people claim to be godly, but they refuse to repent of their sins and come clean before a holy God. I needed those. Man just had back surgery and he's coming to get me. If he hadn't, it would have been time to pray. Now get them in order, please. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, I was looking for page 32. 
No, no, you didn't help me at all. <laughs> all right, let's get back serious here before we lose the whole crowd. I'm so glad that God raises up preachers like him. God raises up preachers like your pastor. Brother Ralph, I didn't even see you when I walked in. I apologize. God raises up preachers. Any other preachers that are here? Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. God always has a witness. God has never left history or the earth without a witness. Amen. And Revelation 7, verses 1 through 8 he will have a witness. He's going to raise up an army, 144,000 Jewish preachers, that he will seal, he will protect, he's going to send out into the world, and they're going to preach Jesus Christ, whether the world likes it or not. And the world system, the devil and the Antichrist, will be powerless to stop these men from their appointed task. But wait. Revelation chapter 11 verses 1 through 12 says that there's also going to be two witnesses. These two mystery preachers, they're going to be standing around the wailing wall, the western wall, and they're going to be outside the newly constructed third temple, and they're going to preach the word of God, and all attempts to stop them will fail until the Lord allows them to be slain. And their bodies will lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three and one half days, and as the Bible describes that the world will celebrate their death because they hated them, they wanted to kill them, and they're so pleased that they're gone. They will celebrate their death as if they were at Christmas time. They're going to be sending gifts. And then all of a sudden, they're going to take a breath. And they're going to rise. And God's going to take them up into heaven. See, even in the darkest hour that will ever come upon this earth, God will always have men proclaiming His truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it and desperately needs Jesus Christ. By the way, millions are going to be saved by the preaching during this time. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. Now, if you're not saved right now, don't you dare think that you're going to wait until they... You've got war, you've got starvation, you've got a terrible time, you've got pestilences and all of that. What in the world would you be thinking? Why would you not want to miss this? Amen. What if you're deceived and worship that old devil and the Antichrist? This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. The time for you to be saved is now, but wait, there's more. Verses 15 through 29 in Matthew 24. The tribulation period continues because in verse 15 the Bible says that these are going to be treacherous days. The verse refers to the Antichrist breaking his covenant with the nation of Israel. And this was prophesied by the prophet Daniel in Daniel 9 chapter 9 and verse 27. And it's going to be fulfilled during this time. The Antichrist's sin will amount to him entering into this holy of holies of the newly constructed temple in Jerusalem. He's going to declare himself to be God. He will demand that the world fall before him in worship. And the Bible tells us that this will happen most assuredly. Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 through 8. Now, what is it? That motivates the world to worship this madman. The Antichrist will be assassinated in Revelation chapter 13, verses 3 and verse 14. 
And then before the wondering gaze of a watching world, he will arise from the dead. Now when this happens, the world will fall at his feet and worship him. And isn't it ironic that sinners will refuse to bow before a risen Lord, but they're going to bow and worship a risen devil? What's the reason? One promises everlasting life. The other one promises prosperity. Now, it will be at this time. At the Antichrist Institute, some sort of marking system that must be possessed before a person can buy or sell. Before this prophecy can be fulfilled, the temple must first be constructed in Jerusalem. For many years, this seemed to be like an absolute impossibility. However, in recent years, since the rebirth of the nation of Israel, it's brought a real possibility, and it will happen in the future. I don't have to worry about the logistics of it. Jesus Christ is in control. He's going to make it happen. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verses 16 through 29, there's going to be terrifying days. These verses bring us to the second three and a half years of the tribulation period. They will be days of such horrible nature that they're almost unbelievable. However, things we encounter as we study this text, it's going to happen because it's contained in the Word of God. Now let's take a few moments here. Matthew chapter 24, verses 16 through 20, we see the days of intense persecution. Jesus reveals to the Jews that when they see the Antichrist claiming to be God, they are to flee. And it seems that they will usher, or excuse me, this will usher in a period of persecution against the nation of Israel that the world has never seen the likes of. In fact, it will be the goal of this madman from hell to totally destroy the people of God from off the earth. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. The woman in this passage of Revelation 12 is Israel. The dragon is the devil. He has tried for centuries to destroy the Jewish people. He has failed. And this will be his last great effort. Of course, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish preachers that's going to be unable to die. And sadly, the same cannot be said for the rest of the human race that fails or falls rather under the Antichrist and his murderous gaze. Jews are going to find themselves traveling one of three possible roads at this point. One, many Israelites will die, according to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8. Secondly, some's going to follow the Antichrist. Matthew 24, verses 10 through 12, Revelation 2 and verse 9, Revelation 3 and verse 9. And then, of course, a remnant will be saved. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 14, Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 9. Now, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21, there's going to be days of intense pain. In this one verse, our Lord Jesus capsulizes one of the most horrific times in human experience in one verse. In one verse. And I'd like to spend a few moments there. It seems the tragedies that I have mentioned that would occur in the first portion of the tribulation, they're going to intensify. A little glimpse of some of the things that's going to be happening should help our understanding. 
Revelation describes for us that there's going to be three sets of judgments. Three sets of seven. Seven is the number of divine completion. It's the number for perfection. It's the number of God. Yes. And each one of these judgments, as the Lord unleashes them on humanity, they're going to be worse and worse. In Revelation chapter 8 and verse 7, you have the first trumpet judgment, and that is one-third of the green vegetation on the face of the earth is going to be destroyed. That's not only going to destroy and hinder and paralyze our food system. Not ours, I'm not going to be there. But the food system, but it's going to paralyze the oxygen levels. Now, Revelation chapter 8 and verses 8 and 9, you have the second trumpet. One-third of the oceans become as blood. One-third of the life in the sea is destroyed. One-third of the world's shipping is also destroyed. That's going to greatly impact the world food supplies. Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. You have the third trumpet. Perhaps this refers to maybe a meteor shower. I'm, I don't pretend to know the mind of God, but we know that it's going to fall into the water supplies. It's going to pollute up to one-third of the fresh water in the world, and this poison water is going to poison many people, and they're going to die from this plague. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12, you have the fourth trumpet. Some, some even uh, takes place in heaven and the sun's light is diminished by one-third and one-third of the light of the heavenly bodies is also destroyed. Now before the fifth trumpet sounds, an angel flies through heaven and he pronounces three woes upon the earth. What's the reason? Things are about to take a turn for the worse. Mercy. Can you imagine? The fifth trumpet, Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, the fifth trumpet. The earth is invaded by an army of demons from the pits of hell. The demons have the power to torment men for five months. For five months, no one will die. And hell will literally visit earth. Revelation 9, verses 13 through 21, you have the sixth trumpet, and there's going to be a demonic invasion of an army that numbers 200 million people. Notice that before these six judgments are poured out on the earth, according to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1, there's silence in heaven. Friends, I believe there's, there's silence in heaven. Because there's no happiness at this time in heaven. God does not take delight in punishing sin, but His holiness, His righteousness demands it. And all of God's judgment is performed out of holiness and not a desire to make men suffer, but His righteousness simply demands it. And according to Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19, you have the seventh judgment and that Trumpet judgment announces the soon return of the Lord Jesus. It also announces the seven vile judgments. Oh, it gets worse. The first vial in Revelation 16 and verse 2, some kind of vile cancerous sore is poured out on mankind. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 3, the second vial, the waters of the sea are turned to blood and every creature in the sea dies. The third vial, Revelation 16 verses 4 through 7, the fresh waters of the earth are turned to blood. Revelation 16 and verses 8 and 9, you have the fourth vial and the sun's heat is intensified and men's bodies are burned by the heat of the sun and 
with all of these torments, with all of this pain, they still fail to repent. Revelation 16 verse 10, you have the fifth vial. This plague brings darkness. It brings intense pain to the inhabitants of the earth. Again, so intense that they gnaw, they literally gnaw their tongues in their pain. Yet they still refuse to repent. Revelation 16, verses 12 through 14, you have the sixth vial, and the Euphrates River is dried up, preparing a pathway for the nation of the world to descend upon Israel for the final conflict. Revelation 16, verses 17 through 21, you have the seventh vial, and this vial brings with it a terrible cataclysm in the earth. There's an earthquake of such magnitude that the islands in the sea sink, and the mountains of the earth fall flat upon, upon the earth, and on top of all of this, all the major cities in the earth are going to be destroyed. Right. Hailstones are going to fall from the heavens that weigh in excess of 125 pounds each. And this is just a portion of the events that's going to take place during the tribulation. And this will be a time of unspeakable horrors, uh, unspeakable trials. However, no one in this room ever has to worry about it if you're saved. If you're not born again, I challenge you, do not stay here. You have to make a decision about Jesus. You cannot stay here. You will be going somewhere. And to not make a decision about Christ is in effect making a decision. Matthew chapter 24 verses 23 through 28. There are days of intense personalities. And during the tribulation, there's going to be many personalities that are going to be involved in the devil's work. Surely some are going to be looking for a means of escape. However, no false Christ can offer humanity the peace and salvation that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, the life. Matthew 24 and verse 29, you see days of intense presentation. These events have already been touched on a little bit earlier, but suffice it to say there's coming a day when the moon's going to be turned to blood, the sun's going to be darkened, the stars are going to fall out of their sockets, and there's going to be signs in heaven surrounding the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will look on Him whom they have pierced. But notice with me in chapter 24 and verse 22, these are temporary days. The Bible says in verse 22, except those days should be shortened. Now, understand, except God Himself shortened this judgment, there would be no flesh to be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. You see, even in judgment, God remembers mercy. Wow. Wow. He will accomplish His purposes, but He will preserve His remnant of those that love Him to the end. And even when He judges the world, He still deals with people in love. Notice with me as we close in verse 30 and 31. I know I've gone long, but we've had fun since we've been here. It'll be another year before I get invited back. (laughs) 
how the tribulation concludes. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. These truths will be covered by great detail by the Lord when he comes. We only give it a little, a little, a little view. Amen. But verse 30, we see a triumphant Savior coming. Yes. Because verse 30 tells us that Jesus Christ will return in great power and great glory at the end of the tribulation. And when he returns, he will destroy the power of the Antichrist and his followers, and he will cast them into the lake of fire. Jesus Christ is coming because he's in control. Verse 30, there's going to be uh, terrified sinners agonizing when the world experiences the return of Christ in glory. They're going to react in terror. They've gathered their armies together at Jerusalem to fight. They're going to be gathered together in this great valley for the battle of Armageddon. In Hebrew, it's Armageddon. It is this battle that the blood will run to the horse's bridle, according to Revelation 14, verse 20. You say you believe that to be true. I believe it to be factual. Yes, sir. The armies of the Antichrist and all the other armies of the world will be destroyed by the word, listen to me, the word of the Lord Jesus. And these people who refuse to bow before him under grace, and they refuse to bow before him under judgment, now they're going to bow. They're going to bow because they're going to be judged. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast alive in the lake of fire and all of their followers will go with them in an instant of time. Jesus Christ will return. But my friend, he's not coming back as a little meat lamb. Amen. He's coming back as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Because notice in verse 31, you have tribulation saints assembling. After Jesus has returned and defeated the armies, uh, uh, the armies of his enemies... He's going to gather together those people who believe the preaching of the two witnesses and the 144,000 Jewish preachers, and they're going to go alive into the millennial kingdom. Oh, my friend. Jesus Christ will rule and reign for 1,000 years on this earth. What an amazing thought. Jesus Christ will rule and reign 1,000. My friends, we've just touched the surface of these events. It'll be a time far more terrible than any adjective that we can give in our language to describe. But the question here must be answered. One, are you ready for Jesus to come? Are you ready for Christ to come? Are you saved? Are you sure that you're saved? And are you sure that you won't be here for these terrible days? If not, you can be saved. Also, if you are saved, number one, thank God. Yes. Thank God you're saved. And secondly, ask God to give you the opportunity to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with your loved ones 
with your neighbors, with your co-workers. This is what the book says. The world is shaping up exactly on schedule, on God's schedule. The world is ready and the curtain is about to go up and God is lining up everything. Am I one of these preachers who sets a date and says, this is going to happen on this date? No, I don't pretend to know the mind of God. But I know this, the book is the word of God and everything he said has come true and he's in charge of it all. Some people say, we're living in the tribulation right now. No, you're sadly mistaken. Thank God you are, but you're sadly mistaken. You see, before the tribulation can come, Jesus has to come. I said Jesus had to come. It's kind of like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Christmas decorations seem to go up earlier every year. I mean, before long, after Easter, we're going to put up our Christmas tree. And it's like Thanksgiving never gets observed. Or it's just an afterthought, or let's just squeeze it in. Everybody starts talking about Christmas. Well, when things start heating up in the Middle East, and things go haywire and chaotic in the world, people immediately start talking about the tribulation. They start immediately getting interested in this man called the Antichrist. And people want to describe him and understand his identity. I'm not called to describe and understand his real and true identity. I am called to follow and worship the true Christ. Now, I am inquisitive. I'm a prophecy nut. But I serve Christ, the real, true Lord. Yes, sir. I have my speculations, but they've also been proven wrong many times. People start talking about tribulation. Just like at the end of a year, people start talking about Christmas. They totally forget that Thanksgiving has to come before Christmas. Well, Jesus has to come before the tribulation. Jesus Christ is coming again. If we believe that, it should change the way we think. It should change the way we act. It should change the way we look at the world. There is absolutely nothing Joe Biden has done that I agree with except taking a nap. I feel like he can get in less trouble doing that than anything. I have no idea who's running the country. I'm just saying. I don't say that too disrespectful. But we are to pray for him. Yes, sir. But he's not in charge. That's right. God Almighty's in charge. Amen. You remember that. And I remember that. Jesus Christ is coming. Is there someone on your heart right now? Would God put somebody on your heart? Would you pray and ask the Lord to put someone on your heart that you believe is lost? that you would hate to see left behind. Ask God to put that on your heart. That's what these meetings are about, is to have a special time set apart to meet with God. To ask God to speak to us. Would you do that? 
Let's stand to our feet as our musicians come. I'll turn it back over to the pastor. Before I do, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. We do not pretend or give some type of false context that we may know it all. We are students of your word and we desire to know it greater. But Lord, there's things in your Bible that you have given and every one of them's absolutes. This Bible never changes. Jesus Christ still saves sinners. The blood of Jesus Christ can save any sinner that comes to him. And God, please help us to pray for those that are lost. Help us to even pray for those that are indignant about the things of God and against you and hate you because you didn't die for your friends. You died for your enemies. And Lord, help us. We're all enemies of you at one time. Help us, Lord. Help us to have names on our hearts that need Christ. Help us to pray with John, even so. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. God, help us to have that expectancy as John did. A man who had walked with you, who leaned on your breast and learned from you and passed it down to his students. God, help us to be centered in the Word of God. Keep us protected, God. We need you. Evil abounds. But grace much more abounds. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.